Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. We have a very special guest by the name of Jeffrey A. Martinovich. He's a first Gulf War veteran, an MBA, and founder and CEO of MICG Investment Management, a billion-dollar wealth management firm. After the 2008 crisis, Jeff rejected three government plea offers, uh, resulting in a 14-year prison sentence. Yet the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals reversed twice. Two U.S. District Court judges were removed. And after nearly seven years, he was released to home confinement in May 2020 to begin rebuilding his life. And he used this as a time in which he's grown and I'd say prospered. And he's also written a book called Just One More, The Wisdom of Bob uh, Vukovic. That reminds us that celebrating other people's success creates an environment for success for everyone. The more we help each other and lift each other up, the more we can achieve uh, success ourselves. Is that not right, sir? That certainly is one of Bob Vukovic's lessons that he likes to remind his young charges all the time. The more we help out. Who is Bob Vukovic? Everybody's going to ask that. Who is that guy? Um, You know, I've been asked, is Bob a real person? Uh, He's actually an amalgamation of many mentors that I was very fortunate to be exposed to people who took me under their wing when I was young in business, young in life, uh, and taught me a lot of lessons. You know, it's kind of like that, that grandfather that, that serves us up the wisdom. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of us don't have the opportunity to be exposed to that. So the, the thought was to use Bob Vukovic as a good medium to give all these lessons, more so life lessons, to Cole and all the readers. Okay, good, 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 good. So let's go through uh, this amalgam of people that you've met along the way. I mean, you've obviously had to learn some some pretty tough lessons, you know, (laughs) to to be in, in a situation where you were put in jail for a number of years. Right. And so those are life lessons that are very, very difficult. I mean, even at the best of times. Um, So how did that turn about? Was it had to do with your investment company or things like that? Right, right. We uh, back in 2008, when we all suffered through that financial crisis, um, a, a quick synopsis is our firm survived that, although it was extremely painful for us and all our shareholders, certainly. But after that time period, there was a big regulatory backlash. Um, And as you read in all the papers, everybody on Wall Street, you know, nobody was in trouble there as everybody paid each other fees and they're all pretty much in bed together. 
as everybody knows. But they did go around the country and shut down over 2,000 what I call tier two investment firms, smaller guys who couldn't really write, you know, a $100 million check to for the regulators. And so they made an example of a great number of them. And what they would do is they would allege some nefarious pricing inside of hedge funds. Certainly when our and our guy Bernie Madoff came out, you know, the word hedge fund became a very uh, satanic word, basically. And so it was just a very critical point in my life that I had to make a decision. You know, was I going to agree with these allegations? And I knew that nobody in our company had done anything wrong. And I, in our fleet of attorneys and CPAs and auditors knew that and verified that. And so I had to make a really tough decision. And these are the once in a lifetime decisions. And I, I decided to stand up for what I believed was right even though knowing that 98.5% of all these trials with the federal government ended in conviction. Uh, and I believed at the time that when the truth would be told, you know, that everything would be okay for our employees, our shareholders. Uh, and of course, as the book talks about and some more books being written on it, talk about, you know, that was definitely not the result. Yeah, it's, it, it is difficult. You know, I, I, I find, you know, often, in, in situations like this, truth is not necessarily truth. You know, they say um, truth is blind and, and and definitely justice is not necessarily justice. Uh, our systems are not necessarily geared towards justice. Correct. I, I, I find sometimes in situations it's a kangaroo court. They have a pre-drawn conclusion that they're going to have, and it doesn't matter what evidence that you're going to show for it. Those pre-drawn conclusions are going to be there. And unfortunately, you know, we learned I learned that a little bit too late. Uh, And the worst part is, is, you know, we had a we have had and have a great group of shareholders and employees. And so, you know, through this process, they kill the golden goose which, you know, it provided so many great jobs, such great investments, um, supported our community and our charity base tremendously. And unfortunately, all that's gone now. So my job, you know, we can have great despair, self-pity, make excuses, be defensive. But really, through this book and through a lot of the speaking and consulting and coaching I'm doing now, you know, the goal is to rebuild and the goal is to write a good last chapter for all of our shareholders. I'm a far way away from doing that, um, but that would be the, a great ending. Yeah, and, and that's where you hope it would end up at the end of the game. And you're right. a young enough man yet that you have a lot of time. That well, I appreciate you, that. You have time that you can actually write the ship and help people along the way. You know, uh, it's amazing, uh, the stock market, the buoyancy that it's had sure. through, through a, such a difficult time that people exactly. have lived. I, I'm shocked at the numbers that have come up and the all-time highs that have come up. I know. I am, too. I am, too. And, I, you know, I'm a not, one of the ways I made it through this whole battle and made it out the other side was, you know, you, we've got to be optimists. And, you know, if we're not, it kind of guarantees defeat. So the stock market is a good example of optimism. Sometimes, you know, um, 
uh, irrational exuberance, you know, as they say. But uh, yeah, it's it's at a pretty high level right now. And, and I've been amazed it stayed up here also. Yeah, you know, and I, you know, I've been a big follower of Warren Buffett along the years and everybody sure. who is listening to it probably knows that Warren Buffett started a company called Berkshire Hathaway, which is one of the biggest investment successes over the years. Unbelievable. Uh, you know, he basically has chosen good value and kept on those good values and, and, and kept on growing as a result of that. And that's amazing right. what he's grown it to as well. But his basic simple is buy good stocks, make sure they're good stocks and hold them forever. Exactly. And, you know, the key is finding good stocks. That is always the difficult thing. It's because- a little tough out there now, right? It is very good, uh, tough. And I, I think that's the key is to buy things that are good and keep them. And, and one thing that Warren's been doing is buying his own company stock back because he can't right. find any stock. Otherwise, that's that good. So he has a know, lot that's sometimes what you have to do is buy your own stock back when you can't find other good things that are there to buy. Invest in yourself. That's right. Yeah. And, and I think that's key. And Apple, for example, a company that just went over a $3 trillion valuation the other day uh, has kept on doing that, buying its own stock back because they know that their company is good and they know it'll rise and they know that it'll keep doing that. So that's uh, right. that is one of the, I think one of the golden things that people have to realize, I'm not an investor much myself anymore. I, I, I put my shares in Berkshire Hathaway a long time ago. Oh, did you? Great. Fantastic. I always found, well, back in 2008, 2003, and so on, I said, well, if this whole thing is going to go down, who is the best person to be running the ship in yep. these markets that are turning down? Who is the best person really to do it? Well, I think the smartest man in the world, you know, and I was amazed at some of the things he did during those downturns. Like in, I think it was 2008, he, the Bank of America came to him and said, yeah. could you lend me some money? We need a loan. I know. A loan. I- and Warren said, sure. Yeah. I don't you, I'll give you a loan, but there's this little thing I need back. And that's right. I got to buy your shares at what they are now. And 10 years from now or 20 years from now. Or, it, and, it was and, an amazing deal. And he ended up owning 10% of the Bank of America. Unbelievable. So, I, I mean, that to me is a person that knows what they're doing. He looked at the Bank of America and said, yes, you are saying you're good. And I've looked at you and you are good. So can we make a deal? Right. Sure enough, the deal was made. Never let a good disaster go to waste, right? And and this is the problem in this whole downturn in in the world that went on. There has been not a lot of stocks that you could buy because uh, there's been a lot of support for companies. So really, these companies have not had to look for deals. That's right. It's hard to believe they kept chugging along here recently, even with the looming higher interest rates, higher taxes, most likely on the way. It's It's been surprising it's held up so high. Yeah, and I, and I suspect we're going to see a clawback in the next little while. I don't know when, I don't know how, 
But, you know, the question always with the stock market is, as Warren has said, is if you aren't going to hold it for 20 years, you shouldn't be holding it for 20 minutes. That's right. That's and right. I think that's the key with it is it's a long-term problem. You never know. The greatest computers, the greatest minds, everybody who tells you they do know is full of it. So <laughs> you never know. Exactly. And I think you've got to be aware of that. You have to be very aware that the situation is going to change. And yes, interest rates will rise at some point in time with the inflation that's going on. I don't think they can help. Yeah. I mean, eventually, when you print a gazillion dollars, you have to have some inflation eventually. Yeah. So what advice do you have for people in the investing climate of today? Oh, boy. Um, You know, we were a very conservative firm who did a lot of financial planning and were very diversified. That's why kind of our crazy story seemed so crazy at the time is, uh, you know, we would never invest a portfolio without at least 13 different slices of the pie, as I call it, because you never know. And so what, what, what I believe in, in my limited education is that you just have to have good slices of the pie, whether those are stocks or funds or ETFs today, whatever that would be. And then you keep those and you keep them well balanced and you never know. It's, it's always the slices of the pie you think will do well this year. It's the opposite. And then what happens is human interaction is what screws it all up because we always like to sell the bad ones and buy more of the good ones. And as you and I know, and everybody listening knows, the next year, it's like this. And the bad is good and the good is bad. So I like to say, set up a real high quality portfolio and just do everything humanly possible not to screw it up. Yeah. I think the big thing is, I think Warren also said, you never know when people have been swimming naked until the tide goes (laughs) up. Exactly. Another quote of his. I love that one. And that key is that people are swimming naked out there. Maybe so. Maybe so. It's so hard to know. It's going to be coming out. So it always, this is the situation we're in now. So I I think the word diversification is is a good word. Make sure it's diversification and not diversification. (laughs) Exactly. Diversification is the difficult thing. And, uh, the risky investments are the ones that usually take the the hit in times when when these things go on. Right. So you got to you got to know that whatever you're putting in there, you could lose it, and you know because you very possibly may. So you don't want to put that retirement fund in there. Yeah, a good friend of mine, his name is Harry Boodle, was a, a banker during the time when the bond and and the bond fiasco happened, you know, okay. these stupid bonds would come out where they junk bonds, junk bonds, and Michael Milken error, Michael Milken error. And they were, you know, the, I think these guys that created these junk bonds should get credit for creating a great name for a really dangerous product. Cause they'd say that this is a well-balanced diversified, uh, they create such a nice name for it. And the problem is they come along with a synopsis that's this thick and they throw it on people's desks and say, do you want to get in before it's too late? 
Exactly. <laughs> there you go. And my friend Harry, uh, who was running one of these small trust companies, I asked him, why didn't you get involved with it? And he said, you know, Dr. Leica, he said, I get the synopsis and I get it on my desk. And he said, I didn't understand a single word of it. Right. I wasn't going to put my people's money into something that I didn't understand. Exactly. Yeah. You know, investing is a very simple game if you keep it simple. And anytime you don't understand it is probably the cautionary part of it. Yeah. You know, I, you know, and, and the other stocks I've always loved are bank stocks overall because over time always make money. <laughs> exactly. You know, they, they always do a good job of making money. That's because, right. Yeah. They, they are a toll bridge in our society. Because they only loan, they only loan money to people who don't need it. Exactly. And this is the situation <laughs> in, that happened, especially during this pandemic, is banks did very well. Yeah, because sure. they had to put a large amount aside just in case everything went bad. Sure. But now they're paying the benefits right now. Yeah. Right. Right. So it's, you know, this diversified game is an interesting game. It, it's, it's a game as, as you know, it is, but it's one you don't want to bet your whole life on. Right. Right. I agree. I agree. Okay. So what other advice do you have for people out there right now that in these well, in, in our book, uh, Bob Vukovic tries to, you know, we had written a few uh, business books and I had these 15 chapters left over, these 15 life lessons that weren't really business. So it read, it's more life. And, and uh, so that's why we created uh, just one more. And then, of course, I remembered that human beings learn best through stories. And we've been doing that for millions of years, of course, around the fire. And so we were able to develop a, a narrative about Bob Vukovic's life, which might possibly parallel my crazy life for the last decade. And uh, throughout this time, he meets up with young Cole, a young financier, and teaches him these lessons on life. Um, and I think the key, really, a few key elements to what he tries to communicate is, you know, per, as we learn, so much of what we think is true today is not. And so much of what we've always taken as, as core beliefs inside of us very possibly is wrong. So if we can more open our brains, open our eyes, and kind of be exposed to the world, get more exposure and understand to find our own truths, then our, our path is going to be a lot more productive. It's going to be a lot more successful. And so he tries to teach Cole that all these things he might see on the flat screen TV or on the nightly news are not necessarily true. And for, for the young people, especially to find their own paths and their own beliefs, and, and to just not have judgment on everyone else, because first of all, you don't know their story. And secondly, you know, our time will come for all of us. And so throughout that, the key is to see if Bob is going to maybe, you know, as a lot of the lessons show, the teacher learns more than the student. And is Bob going to re-engage in this competitive game of life? 
after falling from the mountaintop. And so it's uh, the interesting part has been from the readers is we've been so blessed with all these great reviews, but half of them are really like the lessons and the different parts learned throughout the book. And the other half really like the story. It's almost like a left brain, right brain split right down the middle. And so that that's why I tried to combine those two concepts so people could enjoy the story, but at the end say, oh my gosh, I think I learned a lot by the time we got to the last chapter. Yeah, well, that's very good. And I'm very glad that that's happened. And I, I'm glad that, that you have put together a book that people can learn some lessons from and people can uh, take those lessons and make them into life's lessons as well. Uh, let's maybe choose two or three of these lessons and, and talk to them. Sure. Sure. Um, you, you know what a uh, there's a, there's a good mix of theoretical life lessons, but also some practical things. And, and uh, in the book, one of the practical things that you just don't know until someone teaches you is how to host a golf event. <laughs> and so Bob has all these different chapters in here where he makes these lists and Bob's top 10 favorites of this, Bob's top 10 favorites. And, and when you hosting an event or throwing a good party, um, a lot of that, as you know, in business is extremely important. And the people who understand the fundamentals for throwing a good event, playing a good round of golf, it has nothing to do with your golfing ability, but it has with your ability to be a good host and to care about people and make it all about them. And all these different things when in, unfortunately in business so much, we get so egotistical we forget all our humility and it ends up all wanting to be about us. But what Bob teaches is always ask about them, always connect people to do business with each other. Always make sure that everyone else is having a good time. Always make sure that you, if you spend your whole career giving referrals, you'll never have to ask for one your entire career. And it has all those kinds of concepts if you remember, it's very much based on Dale Carnegie, win friends and influence people. You know, those are just such good fundamentals that unfortunately our schools don't teach. And unfortunately, our society kind of has abandoned a lot of those fundamentals today. So Bob's trying to pick up the ball. That's important. I mean, you know, I ran a golf tournament for a number of years in support of the Canadian Skin Cancer Foundation, which oh, is great that I started and it was a lot of fun. I tell you, people would always speak about the fun they had at that event. Right. That's what kept them coming back. The event was Absolutely. one that they just enjoyed coming to. And uh, we had children, uh, we had students manning each of the holes and we had a lot of really great fun events and it, it, uh, people still speak about it 10, 20 years later that it was That's great. That's of the That's year. Great. So, you know, those are the things you live for. Those are the things that you, it's not just about working. It's not just about doing the things in your regular day. It's the things that you do to make your regular day more fun. Right. And it's all interconnected. And if you, if you fumble the ball in one of those areas, it really bleeds over into the others. So you, 
You need to keep the family, the fun, the business, you know, all going in the right direction or it all starts to tumble, as we know. Yeah, it's all a balancing act. And I think it is a balancing act. You know, we don't live to work. That's that's certainly the things we should live. And I think people forget that along the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So I've got two questions I usually like to ask, Jeff. Okay. Okay. One is on a personal level, how do you have a fantastic life? Well, I, I am a walking miracle today. As I've told you, the beginning part of my story, um, being sentenced to 14 years in prison and by helping um, about 300 other inmates with their cases in the what we call the legal law library, uh, I was able to learn a lot about the law myself. And since when all this happens, they take away your billion dollars, you're left to defend yourself. And so by helping them, I really was able to learn a lot from them. And I was able to reverse my case twice, remove two federal judges from my case. I mean, it's it's the odds of that are beyond, you know, below zero. And I was able to make it home uh, with COVID and everything here after seven years. Um, and I was able to reconnect with my family, my my new wife. My son works with me. Uh, now I have a brand at my advanced age of 55. I have a brand new baby little girl, Carly, who's just four months old. Wow. Uh, so in, in my friends and all my business associates have, have come and supported me and I'm working uh, as much as possible now. So all of this two years ago, I just couldn't even imagine. So I think my experience is really just a true testimony to getting up every day, giving it all you can every day, physically, intellectually, emotionally, and believing that eventually it's going to be okay. And, you know, eventually by all, but against all odds, I made it out the other side of the tunnel and I have an amazing life now. And uh, so I'm just incredibly fortunate. Fantastic. Now, the flip side of this is how do you rec- how do you recommend others to have a fantastic life? Well, I'm a big believer that God helps those who help themselves. <clears throat> and I'm a, and I'm also a big in a believer in rugged individualism. So I think, you know, we have to be goal setters. We have to take responsibility. The buck stops with ourselves. And that's how I had to do that in prison every day for 2,400 days is I had to get up every day and say, hey, today I'm going to get stronger physically, intellectually, and emotionally. I may run into a million roadblocks, which I did, but I know that if I give it everything I've got today and I keep positive and everything I'm doing is trying to be productive, not complaining, despair, pity, then when I put my head down on my pillow on my steel bunk at the end of the night, tomorrow's going to be better. And that's what I try to encourage all my consulting clients, all my coaching clients, all my friends and myself every day I lecture. I just got to be positive today. I got to give it everything I've got. And that's when I know, hey, one way or another, and we know we never know what the grand design is. 
but it's going to be better. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be speaking with Jeff uh, Martinovich today. Uh, Jeff, how can people get in touch with you if they'd like, and how can they get a copy of your book? Uh, the book is uh, mainly on Amazon. Just one more, The Wisdom of Bob Vukovich. But I also have one, uh, we have seven or eight different websites, but one main repository, and it's simply www.jeffmartinovich.com. Fantastic. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. for Thank being you. Here. It really was a pleasure to get to know you. Uh, thank you for spending the time with us. Doctor, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's been a joy to be with you and uh, best of luck forward. Thank you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Leica's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day. Have a fantastic day.